Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney. Where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we are excited today. We got joined by a special guest, uh, pastor of the Summit Church, and now current and longest serving That's true. of I'm the Southern the Baptist Convention. To a trivia question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are joined by J.D. Greer, a good friend, longtime partner with our work on the field as well. J.D., mm-hmm. welcome. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. It's an honor to be here. So thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, knowing you and working alongside of your church, really, and people that have come out of your church, we've just seen the evident love that the Summit Church has for the nations that you have led your people in as well. And as we are trying to cultivate every believer being a coworker for God's mission, we just see the Summit being such a, a leader in many ways in that. So a couple of things we wanted to talk through with you about leadership and how you're continuing to lead out at the Summit Church, leading your people on mission. What, uh, what excites you in the world of Great Commission work right now? What's going on around the world? What are you hopeful about? Well, um, I mean, I'd say two fronts. One is just um, how many people are concentrating on those increasingly few people groups that don't have access to the gospel. Mm. Um, I think that's very exciting. I mean, the work is not done yet. We don't want to take their foot off the gas at all, but it's just, I, I feel like the the unreached are becoming less remote. Mm. Um, not geographically, but just more people are, are getting, you know, I just finished a um, rereading Adoniram Judson's biography to mm-hmm. the Golden Shore, which I would just say to anyone listening, pause the podcast, go read that book. There you go. Uh, yeah. And it really, cause about 20 some years ago, that was what I think burned seared into my heart, this kind of passion for um, the unreached. It, it, they were just getting into this kind of world and it just seemed overwhelming. Now um, I don't want to speak too soon, but it seems like getting, seeing a, a church planting movement in every language group mm. is within our generation's grasp. Yeah. And that's really exciting. That's right. It's exciting to see um, other other uh, other believers besides just Western English speaking mm-hmm. really grasp this vision. That's right. Um, I know it's very cliche to say that one day they'll you know be leading and teaching us, but in some ways they're already doing that. And that's already happening. Yep. Um, and right. then, yeah, I'd say the third uh, thing that's really exciting to me personally is um, in the United States in particular, the, a generation of, even if they're not Christians, they already sort of have a global mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was... Uh, I saw this article in a magazine that said that 75% of uh, college graduates think and hope that at some point their career will take them overseas. Hmm. Now, I think that's highly doubtable, you know? Sure. It's like what, you know, 84.2% of American graduates think they're above average at math. You know, it's like, I don't think that's going to be happen. But, you know, it, it does, it, it kind of represents this new sort of globalism. Mm-hmm. Well, in the church, the college students that, that I pastor already have that kind of vision. And for many of them, they're asking like, what cause? Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, they put in a lot of inferior causes into right. it. Um, but, you know, we get to say the greatest cause to give your life to is the cause of seeing the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I just told our church this past weekend, the greatest tragedy in the world of all the tragedies is people dying without the gospel and the greatest injustice in the world. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you, if you're a passionate for justice, the greatest injustice is the failure of the church to get the gospel to people who've never heard. That's right. Yeah, that's Amen. right. And do you know right now how many summit missionaries there are? Uh, the last uh, couple of weeks ago, there were 274, uh, 274 of our members that are on the field. Um, that's individual people, a total mm-hmm. number of units to use. Like, you know, I think it's 80 or 90 different okay. units that we are like there. The number of people. That's okay, okay. Got it. All right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I know summit is, has become well known for how well you've sent out missionaries, missionary teams, 
So how do you, as the pastor and as, as a church, how have you maintained that emphasis on sending? And even from your seat, when you have so many things you could be thinking about? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Shaney. Let me just, for those that are listening, just so you're clear, there's two things that our church has that are very unique. And I don't want somebody to get overly discouraged because they're like, what? I mean, the one is the seminary mm-hmm. near us. 40% of the people that we've sent out in the last five years have had, came to the seminary, which just mm-hmm. to be honest, means that they already were experiencing a call. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's 60% that didn't come right. from the seminary. Yep. But that 40% is significant and they actually mm-hmm. help set the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're like, well, there's no seminary around where I live, fight for missionaries when they come home. Hmm. I mean, just roll out the red carpet mm-hmm. to them yes. and say, amen, say that. Because yeah, but, yeah. I mean, just <laughs> take them out to dinner, give them unlimited, Buy right? lots of stuff, Buy them yeah. lots of stuff. vacations, <laughs> everything. Right. Because it, it will do more to infuse that stuff. I know it's cliche, but it's caught, not taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just, so, so, so these seminary students who have a vision for missions have influenced the entire culture of our mm-hmm. church. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons I have fought so hard every single time you guys come home, Jesse mm-hmm. and Jenny to come to Raleigh Durham every time I've lost. But one of these days <laughs> we're going to, the carpet is going to be thick and plush enough for you guys to come and spend we six just been months waiting with us. For you to up to yeah. Annie a little bit. Uh, I know yeah. you got family in Missouri and all uh, whatever. Grandparents. Yeah. Grandparents <laughs> and that kind of stuff. But anyway, that's one thing. Um, the other one is we have college students. And college mm-hmm. students, obviously, they're already asking where they're going to go. And so right. I, yeah, of that remaining 60%, I don't know the exact number here, but my guess is um, at least half, if not more, of those are college students yeah. that, mm-hmm. um, that go out. So that's uh, that's very practical for us. Um, we try to really foment a missions culture there mm-hmm. at the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the late Peter Drucker, the leadership group guru, always said that um, that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So more important than, than having, you know, the five steps to building a missions mm-hmm. strategy your church, it just needs to be a culture. And that affects both um, what I preach about in my sermons to the kind of illustrations I use. Um, And it really comes out of, and this is the last thing I'll say, it comes out of a personal sense of calling, which I can't control what God does um, in terms of how he builds various pastors. Mm -hmm. But I can say that the greatest thing, practically speaking, that happened to me was I spent two years overseas. Hmm. I say to every seminary student, regardless of where you feel called, yeah. if there is a way that you could spend a couple of years in the mission field, your life would never be the same. Hmm. And you will be able to speak out of a passion and an experience that you can't get any other way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that and then going on, um, our, our church is graciously built in to its budget um, room for me and um, all of our other full-time pastors mm. to go on at least one mission trip every two years. Yep. For me, um, I, it's it's one a year, and they they fund that. They've even funded some of my, my family being able to go, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is a luxury, but it's something that has helped me. You just can't, if it's on a to-do list, it's never going to get the emphasis. Mm. When it's a passion, I always say this, and I mean it, um, my call to the pastorate began as a call to the mission field, mm. and the way that I'm fulfilling my call at, to the mission field is in the pastorate. God never yeah. relinquished that call. Yeah. And I hope, my, in fact, if you, if you get my wife on this podcast, she will tell you she hopes and plans that our ministry will end actually mm-hmm. in person overseas, you know, yeah. on, on the nation. Well, we'd love to Maybe book in, Veronica. Yes. So if you could put a good word in for us. I know right. her and I, I, yeah, I know her manager. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we would, she, um, and I think that, but for right now, we know every year, this is something we build into our year, every January. We take a, a, a week and we just ask mm-hmm. God, like, God, is this the year that you're going to move us overseas? Yep. So far, um, every year he said, 
no, or not yet. Yeah. Um, I actually got that from John Piper. Um, mm. But all that to say is it, it, it's part of our our own internal culture, mm-hmm. and that affects hopefully the church that we lead. Mm-hmm. Well, just wait till you take your next trip to Greece, because that may answer the question for you, because that yeah. may become the place. <laughs> that might become yeah. the place. That's We've right. already made plans to retire there. That's our missionary <laughs> retirement plan. So, Hey, you know what? God and lost people are everywhere. There you go. So why not go to the islands of Greece? Somebody's got to go to Greece, right? So, right. That's right. <laughs> I just feel like we need to do a podcast episode on the quote culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. Is that it? That's yeah, great. that's it. Yep. Because yep. it's so convicting, you know? Yep. And even we just visited three different churches over the weekend, mm-hmm. and you can pick up on the culture of a church hmm. pretty yeah. quickly. So quickly. It's so true. Yep. Right. And the leaders have such an important role in setting it, and it even makes me think of our mission teams as well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. What you what you care about, other people care about. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's right. And uh, so one of the best things I do is, I, I, I for me, in addition to taking trips, is I regularly rotate into my reading mission biographies. Mm. And um, every day, every morning as part of my quiet time, I pray through either and usually both uh, the Joshua Project's Unrich People of the Day and um, one of our mission teams, yeah. including you all. You are a frequent uh, time of uh, thing of prayer. And that helps cultivate that culture mm-hmm. in me. That's great. And I think that is, I mean, it's important to talk about the culture, some of the things that you mentioned, because I think it's easy for people to look at the church like a summit and say, well, this is just an embarrassment of riches. All the colleges around, the seminary that's right there, I mean, why wouldn't they be sending? Mm -hmm. But I think it's important to note there are other churches, large churches, who are in the same situation. They're in seminary towns, Mm -hmm. they're in college towns, and they're not seeing that same type of thing. And I think a lot of that is attributable to the grace of God evident through your leadership. And one of the things you didn't mention that I would say is, because this is something over the years I've heard from you time and time again, your personal involvement Mm. in evangelism and discipleship. What role does that play in your leadership in the Great Commission in your church? Yeah. I mean, you know, who was it? Dawson Trotman used to say that there's no transformation by aviation, Mm -hmm. meaning that you don't get dropped off overseas and suddenly become a soul winner. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no pixie dust that you can sprinkle, you know, when you get on the plane. That's right. Um, I've, you know, found that, well, first of all, going overseas sharpens your focus at home. Mm -hmm. And then you're you're going overseas, then in the cycle becomes an extension of what you do at home. And, um, you know, I think that, um, like right now, I just got to baptize this past Sunday, a woman who uh, goes to the gym where my wife and I go and we've been working on her for three years, actually her family. Um, and she baptized her and her son and she happens to be from South Africa. So it's like our own little missions, you know, kind (laughs) of trip right there. Um, there's just, and there's something that new people coming into the kingdom of God does for you that no no theology, no, no theology alone can do. I'm yeah. just seeing new babies born into the sure. kingdom of God. The, the spiritually driest times of my life have always corresponded to hmm. little to no evangelism. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know which one's the cause and which one's the effect, right? Uh, yeah. But right. I know God designed you to reproduce. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage that as a pastor? All the kind of people asking for your time. How do you maintain that focus on? diligence with just gospel sharing, building relationships, opportunities to get the gospel out. Yeah. You know, over the, as the church has grown, it's shifted uh, that, well, some of it has shifted. Some of it, some of the strategies stayed the same. I've just always made sure that there was a portion of my week that was spent, you know, around lost people. Um, And it's everything from like, I've worked out the same gym for the past, you know, five years. Mm -hmm. Um, I've uh, gone to, you know, I I have restaurants that I frequent where they know me by name. Um, And those become really rich evangelist places, obviously my neighborhood, you know, that now even, you know, so as the church has gotten bigger, 
there are obviously more requests for my time. And I've just like, as an example, I've told uh, the this person who schedules me, I'm like, I will take any, any appointment from somebody that we know needs Jesus or mm. is like in that process. Yes. Yeah. So I'm never going to farm that out. So when I get a, a, somebody writing into the church, it's like a question. If I can tell that they're seeking, I'm yep. like, schedule them with yes. me to this afternoon. That's great. Um, that's Life great. Giving. Yeah. Well, yeah. your sermon ends up, you know, uh, Tim Keller says this, your sermon ends up sounding like who you talked to that week. That's why you preach your worst sermons in seminary. Wow. Because you're, you're basically arguing with other seminary students while you mm, preach. Say that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's like if I've spent time with lost people, I talk to them when I'm, when I'm preaching. Um, I used to even, I, I would go do part of my study at a coffee shop because before COVID locked us down, they can't do that anymore. But because even looking at some of these people, yeah. I'm like, I bet you that girl needs to hear this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, praise God, man. Yeah, I've heard you say in a recent sermon, uh, and going to hold you to it, you know, that just that Jesus is focused on the one at the expense of the 99. Yep. Right. That's right. He went after the one that was lost. Right. And so that's the kind of thing that if I said it by myself, Somebody at some conference would ream me on Sure, it. of course. But Jesus yeah. said, yeah, I'd rather leave the 99 go after the one. This is his church that he died for. That's, That's the right. 99. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Jesus is negligent toward the church. Sure. Let's be clear. He yep. laid down his life for the church. He prayed John 17 over the church. But he just shows that there's something in the heart of our Savior that he would use that analogy to say, but there's more joy in heaven over yeah. that one new than even over the faithfulness of the 99. That's right. That's right. And that leads into... Kind of the next question we wanted to deal with about, you know, an ongoing conversation for years and years, both domestically and overseas. We just did a couple of podcast episodes on movements as a missions methodology, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that overlaps with that longstanding conversation is the eternal debate between breadth and depth, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Do we go deep or do we go wide? Do we pursue kind of rapid multiplication in missions, or do we go really deep in getting our churches really healthy? Yep. How would you speak to that, both in a domestic context and in an international context? Yeah, I mean, so most of the most of the time you hear this discussion being had, it really is like, it's not like you're polar opposites. It really is kind of a continuum, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I don't know many of the people that lean toward breadth that are like, who cares you right. know, if they have any depth? I mean, yep. they care about depth. Usually these people are involved deeply in discipleship. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, people, you know, that take deep, they're not like, no, we, you know, we don't want them multiplying. And um, right. it's just, you know, what, <laughs> what syllable you put the emphasis on there you you know, a lot of times. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I don't want to fall too into, you know, to, in the categories. I'll tell you that by personality, leadership style and conviction, Theological conviction, I lean a little bit toward the breadth side mm-hmm. because I think that there is a, a actual a depth that comes from involvement in breadth yep. that just makes you, you know, reflect like you're born to reproduce. That's mm-hmm. the thing. I mean, you know, Mark 5, 19, you know, when, when people had just come to Jesus, he's already given them instructions on how to share it with other people. That's right. Go home and tell your friends how great things the Lord has done for you. Yep. And I, I really agree. And again, I don't want to open a can of worms here, but David Garrison's, um, you know, heresy of sequentialism that he mm-hmm. calls it, which is um, really uh, sequentially getting to things in the discipleship that God intended for you to experience all at once. Hmm. And it's like, he compares it to a recipe. You don't, you know, if you're going to eat a cake, you don't eat the sugar, then eat the flour, then hmm. eat the eggs. They're all. And so there's a certain type of breath that ought to come as you're going um, right. deep. So if we're talking, if somebody's talking about multiplying without paying any attention to depth, I would say that's 
a recipe for disaster. That's right. But if somebody is also talking about going deep mm -hmm. without immediately building in the structures of multiplication, I'd say that's not a real depth. That's great. Um, the way we say it at our church is, um, uh, you know, churches and ministries that are faithful to the gospel um, grow deep and wide at the same time. Mm -hmm. And um, depth without width is not nearly as deep as you think it is mm -hmm. because he depth in the gospel always leads to evangelistic width That's right. and width without depth is not nearly as wide as you think it is because ultimately God's calling disciples, not converts That's right. and people that are cheap converts that don't go deep, never end up making it you know, mm. to the finish line. So that's good. Yeah. And that's something even, even today we're having a meal at lunch today uh, with another worker, mm -hmm. long time connected with the summit that would be probably a little on bit on the, the other side, side of that yeah. spectrum from us, yeah. right? Even as we're talking about it. And so I think just your leadership, even in leading out your church, that you guys provide the covering and the affirmation of different approaches to missiology that I think are trying to strike that balance. Some yeah. are going to lean on one side, some the other, but really trying to strike that biblical I don't balance. want to reduce it all to different callings in the body of Christ, because mm -hmm. sometimes I know there are convictional things, right. a, a strategy, and I think there's room for that. You know, I, That's why I'm fine with, like you said, if, let's just say, for sake of argument, mm -hmm. let's say that you, Jesse, lean a little bit more on the width side, and let's say that you know, some of these other people even more on the depth side. I'm fine with that because I feel like, well, God's calling us on both of you. You care about both of mm -hmm. them. But some of these things have also to do with how God has wired you individually. Mm -hmm. And there are God, people that God you know, positions as movement leaders. Yep. And there are some that God positions as taking you deep. And if you can have an appreciation for the other mm -hmm. member of the body of Christ, I think we all end up mm -hmm. in a better place. That's right. So I'm going to take that as a blanket affirmation. I know you listened to every minute of our podcast. Absolutely. And we just right. went through pretty in-depth discussion of movements okay. and biblical affirmation of movements. So I'm going to take that as a blanket just affirmation blanket endorsement. of everything that I ever said. That's yeah, right. That's right. Good. That's Appreciate good. that. Yeah, well, no one ever takes my words out of context. So yeah, right. Fine. I'm sure you have no issues with that no, whatsoever. No, no. Well, I want to say a big amen to as fast as possible when someone gets saved, mm -hmm. give them as much of Jesus's commands and opportunities to obey as possible. Right. I feel like if we can get people with healthy habits of boldness and sharing the gospel as soon as possible, it's right. such a gift to them. Right. Instead of trying to give them this Christianity where like sharing the gospel is only for the superhero Christians, mm -hmm. you know, that they then have to get over that mm -hmm. when they're That's older. Right. I'm like, I want my kids and every new believer to just have like, oh, sharing the gospel is normal. That's just That's what, what, what all Christians do. Why yeah. would I ever keep this to myself? Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So... With your job at the summit and with SBC president, you carry a lot of pressure. People criticize you. You have a lot of responsibilities. Is that true? I don't. I think everybody just feels like I mean, I'm doing I'm, awesome. No. <laughs> just knocking it out. Might be some mixed reviews. Okay. I don't know. I'm right. just totally. Okay, guessing. I'll have to look at that. <laughs> yeah. In the midst of a lot of responsibility, mm -hmm. maybe no, maybe zero negative reviews, but just a lot of responsibility. How do you remain hopeful and positive? How do you have fun in your life and have lightheartedness? <laughs> well, uh, some of it is, I, I'll give you a spiritual answer and then I'll give you a more practical answer. How's okay, that? Good. So the spiritual answer is you just realize, um, there's a phrase in, when I taught through First Peter last year that really captured my heart and my attention. Peter was talking about difficulty in the Christian life. And he just says, for you were called to this. And it means that some of the difficulty in your life, some of the criticism, some of the persecution, if you want to call it that, it's just like, it doesn't have an explanation. Hmm. It, it doesn't come from anything legitimate. It doesn't um, lead to anything like, 
Yeah, I love stories where you can like A happened because of A, B happened. Sure. And B was all, you know, right. a lot of the stuff doesn't happen. It's like, well, that stinks. Yeah. But but I just remember you were called to this. Mm. Uh, we you know I referred earlier to Adoniram Judson's uh, biography, and we were talking about that today at lunch, Shaney. And you know one of the things that you mentioned that I thought was really you know uh, just a good insight is once you read some of these stories, you you can't complain anymore. Mm. And I, I read, I'm like, why did God let that happen? And the answer is you were called to this. Yeah. You were called to to show the glory of the gospel through suffering and difficulty. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with like, you know, I just like, well, that's just is the nature of it. Why would I expect that service that I give to the gospel be the one thing in all of Christian history that God said, except for you, you're just going to reward mm-hmm. what yeah. you do. Yeah. Uh, that's on the probably serious side. Um, on the practical side, it's just, <laughs> I mean, well, first of all, I realize that a lot of the criticism and stuff um, has more to do with the person than me. Hmm. Um, and you just, you kind of get that. Like, I just, you get reamed on both sides of like, like mm-hmm. an issue. Like, well, mm-hmm. you're like, I really can't make people happy. And mm-hmm. um, I have a solid group around me whose opinion I really care about. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not in an idolatrous sense. Yeah. But um, my wife is obviously in that. I've got some really close friends. Even people around the country like you all, you around the world like you all, that I know are filled with the spirit and wisdom. And one word of affirmation from you outweighs a lot of the other Hmm. difficulty. My wife, who is in some ways opposite of temperament than me, um, we're both extroverts and all that kind of thing, but she, whereas I'm very probably on the ambitious side, and in the, you know, let's conquer the world, you know, kind of thing. She is more on the kind of local and both of us have a sinful version of ourselves. Me, mm-hmm. I can be proudly ambitious. Her, she could be sinfully complacent. But when we're both operating in maturity in the spirit, she's a good balance for me. And one of the things that she's really helped me see is that that real happiness in life doesn't come from the size of the ministry. Hmm. It comes from the quality of the relationships that are close to you. She has this statement. She, I don't know where she got it or she made it up, but she says, um, fame is making yourself accessible to a bunch of people you don't really care about Hmm. at the expense of those few that you do. Hmm. And she's like, you know, really increasing the size of her church, more people knowing your name. There's nothing but heartache in that. Hmm. And I'm going to tell you, if you're listening, that is a hundred percent true. Wow. Like the the bigger the thing you think it looks, it just gets worse and harder. But she said, practically speaking, the quality of our our happiness is the kind of close friendships we have, mm. family, friends, and so I think maintaining that community in the midst of this has been really helpful for some of the pressure, whether it's criticism or just yeah. difficulty. Is just that's that's my refuge, and, and I'm saying this assuming that. The primary refuge is God and his word, but, you know, right. on a secondary yeah. level. Yeah, good. And I'm guessing the criticism probably gives you an opportunity to find your worth in Christ mm-hmm. and have freedom from what people think of you. Yeah. Right? So I'm like, thank you for allowing me a chance to realize I don't live by the praise of people. <laughs> right? <Is that> <laughs> exactly. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's, yeah. That's absolutely it. I mean, maybe 20 years ago you struggled with that more than you do today. Yeah. Or maybe not. No, I mean, it, I've always been a people pleaser. And so other people's opinions have always carried probably too much weight with me. Mm. And this certainly will. But, it, you know, it also is, it's, it's made you really ask, like, who, when you've done everything you can do and, you, and the praise doesn't come. Mm. There's been a few times that I'm like, well, maybe I was wrong on what I did, but I did it ultimately for an audience of one. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And that's, it is, there is something purifying there. And yeah. so, yep. so well, I, yes, I've got your emails and yes, they've hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you no. for giving me a chance to see what's just Zero. trying to, that's right. Yeah. Zero She's negative feedback. Trying to help you with sanctification. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of um, your sermons that you've, I've heard you preach on a couple different times is on mm -hmm. Deborah. Okay. And I honestly can remember exactly where I was in a previous city that we served in, in South Asia, when I heard that sermon, because we were kind of new in leadership mm -hmm. and just growing. And I was, I was really encouraged by the sermon on Deborah mm -hmm. to rise up mm -hmm. and to be and do all that I could for the Lord and all that I felt like he was calling me to. And I was really encouraged by how you to me, what I heard was just not permission for women to be used by God in awesome ways or to right. be like Deborah. But I remember you saying you pray for your daughters yes. to be like Deborah. Yeah. So it was really encouraging to me. And we have found that on the mission field, that's been a pretty important topic. Yeah. Why do you think that that's an important topic for the church? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, uh, I'll bet it's probably cliche, but uh, 50, more than 50% of the church and in the world is female and um, it is a gifting that God has given them in leadership in ministry that if that is is minimized or disregarded in any way the church is much poorer mm -hmm. I, you know so I mean just to put all the cards on the table and I imagine most people listening to your podcast are here I'm, I'm you know I, I follow what we call a complementarian approach to gender which means that the two genders, though equal in the eyes of God, though both made in the image of God, are given in certain spheres complementary roles. Um, particularly the church and the home, you've got, you know, the only the man can be the head of the home, you know, in a um, where there's a, a mom and a dad. And then uh, in the church, you know, your elders and your, your senior pastor position, that's going to be um, occupied by a man. But that um, has been used lazily to uh, kind of put a blanket where, well, men do the real ministry and the women are only in the, the supportive roles. And I think that that is a corruption and it's something that's really very harmful. Mm -hmm. um, not every woman is designed to, by the same personality, to be the, you know, essentially just the, the, the I don't want to say servant because that sounds insulting, but, you know, just in, in one of those roles, the way we say it, and I realize you could you could twist this wrong. You would be the first person to wrongly twist what I'm about to say. But every gift in the body of Christ that men have, women have access to also. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily use them in the same roles. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking exhortation, if we're talking um, even teaching, you know, prophecy, whatever, whatever you want to say, leadership, um, they can have them. They, you know. Because we're complementarian, we say, well, they should never use it as a daddy mm. and they should never use it as a pastor or one of the elders of the church. Mm -hmm. But my own life has been greatly enriched yeah. by women exercising those gifts. So what, one of the things we did, again, just very practically, is we went through our entire church staff. and We have a, a rather large staff and we said, OK, let's ask how many of these roles that we have just by default given to men mm when the nature of the position doesn't need to be a man or it could be tweaked hmm. so that it, it could be open to both genders. Yeah. Uh, for example, senior pastor will always be elder, always be a man. Um, campus pastor for us, because we have a multi-site church, we feel like that has to be a man. Yeah. But the associate campus pastor, well, there's a lot of leadership and a lot of exhortation that goes in that, but it's not really a pastor 
so we, we you know we can we can change the job description slightly where a woman could use all those gifts within that role. Um, you know, our one of our most influential positions right now um, is our sending um, mm-hmm. director, and that's led by Lori, yep. um, who is one of the best leaders that I know of, mm-hmm. and speaks more truth into my life um, on a consistent basis than hardly anybody on our staff. Mm-hmm. You know, using that gifts, and I think it'd be a travesty to leave those kinds of gifts done. I hope groups, whether it's the IMB and others, will you know keep doing what they are doing, which is where have we just sort of kind of fallen into, hear me, an unhealthy patriarchal sense mm-hmm. and not a biblical one? Because yeah. the biblical one respects the distinctions in gender, but also recognizes the gifting of our sisters in, in Christ. That's right. There's a, there's a, there's a document we use because we, we spent a long time working on it. It's called One in Christ. Uh, one in Christ Jesus. And we kind of unpack both the theology and then the application of it mm-hmm. in the local church. That, yeah. Is that on your website? Uh, it's accessible through summitchurch.com. Yeah. If you just type in One in Christ Jesus Summit Church, it would come up. It may be featured on a couple of blogs. I'd prefer you not read, but uh, you can get to the actual document that way. Well, we'll put the links for that in the show notes. I've read it, and we found it really helpful for some of the work that we're doing well, some in of your South Asia. It's been great. I mean, you know, Jesse shared a lot with me, and just I, felt, I appreciate the way you're leading in that. I think it's a very important discussion, and I think you and there's a few other ladies, particularly in the IMB, that um, are leading this discussion. And I look forward to what comes out of it in the next few years. And I think, you know, by the way, everybody that I've talked to in upper IMB leadership seems to be on board with this. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's a very healthy culture. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you, when you said sometimes the it can be lazily, I think any Lazily applied, yeah. Most of the time, uh, maybe if women are overlooked, it's out of maybe a lack of thoughtfulness about it. Right. You know, more so than... We don't want women to do this position, or we don't think women should do this. Yeah, it's a lot that you're not thinking about it. You don't know the networks. You don't know how. But I will say, Shani, that you're that's very kind. Um, we also have not done the, the the best job in raising up young ladies to be mm-hmm. in these positions. Yeah. And uh, I'll use Summit Church as an example. About three years ago, as part of this process, I realized if you were a guy in our church who expressed mm-hmm. interest in ministry or leadership. We had a, we had a leadership track for you. Mm-hmm. If you were a lady, it was like, well, okay, right. good luck, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so we've got to give the same intentionality to our sisters that we've given to yeah, our sons. It's true. So. Which, I mean, it makes sense. You might have programs to develop elders or different things, mm-hmm. but that can accidentally communicate to women. It's not that essential for you to right. really know the Bible, mm-hmm. you right. know, or for you to really grow in leadership. That's right. So it's good. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, JD. This has been really fun to talk to you and we appreciate your friendship and your mentorship over the years. We, we have many summit church members that are our teammates That's that right. we love so much. Mm-hmm. You all send us awesome people. Yep. So we love getting Summit people on our teams. And we and many of our coworkers benefit from Summit sermons. And we, we listen and are being encouraged and fed even all around the world. Well, so. that, that means a lot, especially coming from you. Because you can ask these people that we send to you. I tell them, I'm like, of any team I know anywhere in the world that we work with, you won't find any that are better and healthier and, I think, more robust in both the width and the depth and uh, then the snodgrasses and their team there in uh, am I allowed to say the South Asia it's okay we'll, we'll edit it okay <laughs> as with 
80% of what you said. <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks a lot, JD. Yeah, appreciate My it. Brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll look forward to connecting with you guys in a couple weeks, and we will post some of those resources um, in our show notes. Thanks, friends. Bye.